The other interesting topic that's being talked about, Hockey Night in Canada, you know, had a big roundtable discussion regarding it, is boarding in the NHL. And it seems Mm -hmm. like that every week we're seeing some game misconducts handed out, other times no penalty on the play, and a lot of times skaters are taking justice into their own hands and handling business. And I just wanted to get your thoughts and if you do feel as though this is becoming more and more of a league, you know, wide issue that somehow the league can address because, uh, you know, I, it just seems like Sean, every few games we're seeing a game misconduct for that penalty. Yeah. It's, it's hard to, it's hard to kind of, uh, pick to pick on the referees in the moment, Gavin, actually. Sure. This is one where like, I think it's as much as people want to get mad at referees, like referees actually do a pretty damn good job as much as people don't like to admit it. That is the, the, the truth. Referees do a much better job than people ever want to admit. I do think there's something the league can do in a, um, in an after like reviewing afterwards to kind of, see to kind of uh just to kind of make sure everything is called like like it or not while they all read the same rule book every ref is going to see something slightly differently just like every umpire has a different strike zone in baseball like um so i don't think it's possible for complete uniformity as long as we have humans calling the game and i also don't think we want robots calling the game because i think that's I think that kind of takes away some of some of the other elements of it. So um, I do think there's more the league can do as far as a enforcement afterwards. Um, it, it's, it's a weird time in the NHL though, Gavin, for what does and what doesn't get quote unquote vigilante justice on the ice. Like, um, so uh, before I came home and watched the Dallas game on tape last night, I was uh I was at the Detroit game and in the first period or sorry, in the, yeah, in the first period, um, Clem Costin runs ducks goalie, Lucas Dostal basically and gets a goalie interference call for it. No one on the ducks did anything to Clem Costin. And I'm not even like, it's just the fact that a guy can charge your net, can yep. skate your net hard. And then skate the net hard and run your goalie over, literally run him over. And now a penalty was called and everything like that. But the fact that something like that gets zero reaction on ice now, but then we get some other things that, that like it's, I don't know. It's, it's the whole, and this is, this might be a great question just to kind of tee up bloods on next time you have them on is what is the right and wrong time for, a quote unquote fight or rough or whatever you want to call it now off a big hit, because I think there are too many times now where we have a big hit and it's clean. And the player who delivered the big hit has to fight yep. because they delivered the big hit. And you're like, they made a hockey play. Why yeah. do they have to sit in the box for five minutes? Yeah. Like, I, I, th- I think this would be a great conversation for you to bring up with Lud's, as someone who a played in the time when just to kind of 
to talk a little bit about that because his insight would be interesting on this too. Yeah, no, I, I definitely so, will ask him about that. I yeah. did ask about this, and one of the things that we did have a really interesting topic. So the last time, if you're listening to this, go back to listen to the Spits and Suds, our last episode uh, with Luds. And one of the things that we talked about, Sean, was – Checking is not being taught as much in the lower levels and taking a hit is no longer really taught. And that is something that when Luds was coming through the system and when he was at North Dakota and when he got to the NHL, he was taught a lot of those. Like when you go in, your head has to be on a swivel, but you have to make sure that you're in proper position. So I'm not saying it's not a penalty. But what I'm saying is these guys are – these defensemen are going in or forwards are going in, and they're paying no attention to what's coming from behind. And yeah. they have to protect themselves for the longevity of their career. I'm not saying what the other player does is right, but you're right. It Fighting or, you know, it has become a situation where, you're right, a big hit is equivalent to an inside pitch. Like if Bob Gibson was still alive in baseball, he'd be like, are you kidding me? Like – you're jawing at me because I threw inside. That's my whole strategy. Yeah. And yeah. I think it's the same way in hockey. A big hit, you know, I mean, it is it is interesting. And then you have those situations like Anaheim. And we had a situation like this late in the game last night where Yanni Gord, um, you mm-hmm. know, I, I personally, after seeing the replay, um, I think he tried to stop. He got really close. I mean, you could see the snow yeah. coming up from his skates. But I was glad that the, you know, stars took him in the corning in the corner and, created that scrum. That's what you want to do to protect your teammates and say, if you want to go in this area and if you want to get that close to our goalie, then you're going to have to answer to us. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it's like kind of what happened to, and maybe the Ducks did this last night. I don't know because Gudis absolutely, Racco Gudis later in the game absolutely leveled Costin and Costin <laughs> left the game. Yeah. On a, on a, Gudis leveled Costin a big clean hit at the blue line, like very Scott Stevens-esque. Maybe that's maybe that's maybe that was the classic take a number, we'll get them later type deal. Maybe that's what it was. Yeah. But like it just feels like that doesn't no, it's the game. You don't you don't hit as much anymore. Um like it used to be so the game because of how um because of how well defensemen skate, right? It used to be the four check used to be a uh it used to be the Coliseum almost like the forecheck was like, like, yeah, I get, I get, I get 20 strides. The guy's got the puck. I've got like, even though this is, I, I get to find the line between charging and hitting and I get to run this guy into the sixth row. That's what forechecking used to be. Yeah. Forechecking has changed, right? Forechecking is now, and I've talked to a bunch of players about this lately because this is kind of fresh in my mind. Forechecking now has become more and more about just delay the puck. Delay the puck, delay the puck, delay the puck. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just, it's not a physical hitting space anymore in the game, right? Um, And I think, especially because when a guy does come and he's puffing and puffing and his arms are, are, are cranking through and he's coming in for the big hit, that's when the defenseman skates so well now that they just spin off of it and all of a sudden you're going five on four the other way. It's just like, it's it's the the element of where physicality is in the NHL now is just fascinating to kind of see the evolution of it. And 
I hope I've made some relevant points because I'm going to use my favorite line on this show, Gavin, and get me back on track. <laughs> DJ Smith fired in Ottawa. And uh, yeah, really, really interesting. Watching Ottawa on Friday night, they're one of those teams that says, how are you not better? I mean, it, it's just so interesting. So let's see if they get that, what we call the bench bump, where we saw in Minnesota, where we saw in Edmonton. Um, but I did want to point out something that I wonder if this is a trend in the future for NHL teams that are struggling and make a change. When Edmonton made their coaching change, they also took Paul Coffey, who is beloved in Edmonton, number up in the rafters, famous number seven, and they brought him down onto the bench, and he's been working with the Edmonton uh, mm-hmm. defenseman, yeah. and there's been a lot of improvement. Well, DJ Smith is fired. And Jacques Martin, and one of the things when a special advisor is brought in, watch out. <laughs> yeah, so he's brought in as a special that's advisor. That's never a good sign, yeah. Yeah, long career in the NHL, but also highlighted that all-time um, leader in points, Daniel Alfredson, is going to be an assistant to Martin. So two questions. Do you see this as a possible trend? And do you think you'll see a, a a bench bump in Ottawa based on the coaching change? Show me a fired coach and I'll show you bad goaltending right now. Oh, good um, point. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like, let's, I just pulled it up while you're going through Jonas Corposalo, 17 games, 892 save percentage. Anton Forsberg, 11 games, 876 save percentage for, for Ottawa. So um, it's uh Sometimes uh, the coach wears it for the goaltender. I, I do think there is a, you mentioned Paul Coffey, you mentioned Daniel Alfred said, I do think one of the things the Montreal Canadiens kind of stumbled into um, when they hired Martin St. Louis as their head coach is the fact that you need that today's player kind of likes having someone who played who played more recently right there in their corner, as in they get the game. Now, Alfredson obviously hasn't played for a little bit, but he still played recent enough. And um, obviously St. Louis played recent enough. And I, I do wonder if teams are looking at what happened with Montreal and how St. Louis has kind of helped uh, uh, Cole Caulfield and uh, a couple other guys in Montreal have, if there's been more of like, okay, today's player, this generation of player, it's 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 a generation that uh, it's not just, oh, respect your, your coach. It's a, I want proof of life that this guy also did it at the top level like I'm doing it right now. And I wonder if this kind of goes back further to the... Uh, to the same kind of reverberation long term of the St. Louis hire with that. Just that's just a theory right now because I think it's I think it's going to be harder and harder going forward for coaches who never played yeah. to um connect with NHL players. I think so often now in society in general, we there's so much stimuli. There's so much everything. We we thrive and we we search for shared experiences. That's one of the biggest things. Like one of the biggest connections, connector points for human beings in general, not sure. just hockey players. Sure. And I I think the 
they played the they, they played the game recently enough is one of those things it's not just a um like and you need that person on staff and everything and i know there's lots of people who like jim nil played the game like there's lots of old guys who played the game who run the nhl but i think maybe the course of no one on Dallas, no no one on the stars remembers watching jim nil play hockey yeah yeah no one on the stars remembers watching and I mean, Paul Coffey's a little bit older too, but at least Paul Coffey's a legendary name. Yeah. Kids on 20, 20 something year olds, 25, 26 year olds now, they watch Marty St. Louis when they were kids. Right. They watch Daniel Alfredson when they were kids. It's it's the like relatability. It's the relatability. I, I saw, speaking of age, Gavin, and this is going to make me feel really old. This okay. made me feel really old the other day. I was at the World Junior, uh, World Junior camp last week. Um, and, uh, Team USA looks very good, by the way. I'm thinking maybe uh, we should probably do a World Junior preview. Actually, love it. We should try. We should we should do one of those uh, if we can figure that out before uh, the tournament gets going. But I was talking to uh, uh, one of the uh, younger writers who was there covering a kid who's a he's either a junior or senior at the University of Michigan, and obviously Michigan's got a high uh, number of players on that World Junior roster. And talking to him, and I made a. uh, I made a Mighty Ducks reference to something and uh, just kind of something from the movie because it reminded me of something. And the kid had never seen the Mighty Ducks. And I'm like, this is like, I'm like, I'm like I can't be old enough where I'm making a mo- reference to an old movie and it's D3. This can't be, this can't be where I am now in life. So, no, I, I know. I know. We're, we're, uh, we're getting old. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that happened to me a while back where, uh, you really got me. And I said, this is one of my favorite songs that the Kinks did. And I was actually on a date and she said to me, <laughs> she goes, no, Van Halen sang that. <laughs> and I was like, no, it was the Kinks. Van Halen covered it. And like it, I had to, yeah. you know, show her and stuff. So, I mean, it, it happens. And yes, uh, yours is a more recent example. Yeah. And yes, yeah. we are, we are getting old. And speaking of which great transition, um, because something happened last night that I wanted to get your thoughts to end this podcast. So, yes, I am a nostalgia buff, and you mentioned the word entertainment. The game is supposed to be entertaining. Yep. So, on the topic of new coaches, John Hines and the Minnesota Wild play Pittsburgh last night. Mark andre mm. Fleury is nearing the 1,000 marks in games. This is likely, unless something crazy happens, going to be the last year we see Mark andre Fleury. So, therefore, that would be the last game he would play in Pittsburgh. They play a back-to-back. They're at Boston tonight in Pittsburgh last night. Hines plays Philip Gustafson instead of Mark andre Fleury. Even Sidney Crosby was asked about it and said, would have been nice. I don't make the decisions, but it would have been nice to play against my old teammate one last time. Yeah, it's it, that's one of the tough ones where it's uh this is the thing, this is the issue that hockey has one of the issues with the NHL. Not the issues, it's just the reality of the sport. Um and I actually attribute this to one of the reasons that to connect a really weird roundabout way, one of the reasons that Mike Madano and Dallas took the Dallas a little while to give Mike Badano a statue and they had his awkward departure into Detroit. You, d- you, you don't get human victory cigars in the NHL. 
And I think that's something that sometimes we need to remember. Mm-hmm. In other sports, in baseball, right? Um, what was it? Two, three years ago, Ichiro Suzuki's playing for Seattle, but he's not really playing at that point. He's there. He's having a couple at bats. He's the 25th man on the roster. You don't, you can use the 25th man spot on the roster. Football, you have 52 guys in the roster. I know every spot's valuable, but you have 52 guy spots. Even in Dallas, like, this is no disrespect to Dirk Nowitzki, but like, if Dirk Nowitzki had fallen off a cliff, he could have still been the 13th man on the roster and played two minutes and could have gotten his wave to the crowd everywhere he went and all that stuff, right? You don't get human victory cigars in the NHL. You don't get the space on the roster for that. You have to play. You're gonna you're gonna play twelve forwards. You're gonna play six defenders. Um, you from a goaltending perspective, like Minnesota needs to win games right now. Yep. Flurry has not played well lately. Like he hasn't played well, and it's kind of one of the things that it's just the nature of the sport. We want these romantic endings and everything like that and i think sometimes we 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 compare hockey to the nba because they're in the same building and like going back to the madonna thing everyone's like oh well you could have done one last season the way dirk did you couldn't have done that madonna had fallen off a cliff you had to let him go and it's it's kind of one of those things where i think you have to sometimes remember the nature of the sport we're talking about it is it is fast the reason we love it and the reason it's the fastest game on earth is because it pushes people out because it's, you can't, you can't just meander your way into it. Like it's the reason what Joe Pavelski is doing is so impressive. And so I get it. It would have been fun. It would have been really fun to see flurry play that last game in Pittsburgh and everything like that. But at the end of the day, John Hines job, which he'd like to keep, I think is to try to win more hockey games. Agreed. And Minnesota probably at a spot where, you know what? That game, second game of a back-to-back in Boston, that feels like a schedule loss, honestly. The Bruins are rolling, second game of a back-to-back. I'm going to try my best to win the game that I can win in Pittsburgh. So, yeah, I, I get it. I, I get I get the nostalgia. I get all of the factor. I get everything. It's just, you just, the sport doesn't allow for it. It's, it's just, it's just, an unfortunate side effect of how great the sport can be. And maybe he'll get up lit to lit up tonight, but to me watching this guy's career, he could have a good one tonight too against Boston. <laughs> he's, well, just, it, he's, he's that kind of guy. Like, Oh, I mean, he, he, he definitely could. He, he definitely could. He also like in today, like Mark Andre Fleury to me, I know there's times he talks about retirement and all that stuff, but what if it is this? What if this isn't the end? Like, what if he goes and pulls a Craig Anderson <laughs> and like yeah. and go and then and then all of a sudden like like it's not John Hines' job to make sure Mark Andre Fleury gets his retirement tour when in theory, all of a sudden there's nothing stopping Mark Andre Fleury from signing with say. Arizona next like I don't Arizona's an extreme example but like there's nothing stopping him from still playing somewhere next year and his and like his 886 save percentage while not great this year not nearly as bad when you look at where the state of the league is right now I mean the 
NHL goaltending is not nearly as good as it used to be right now for, and, and the offense has been better and everything. So the fact that, uh, if flurry is still playing somewhere next year, it wouldn't surprise me. It's not John Hines job to right. make sure that potential last game is there or, or, or whatever. And that's so, yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right. And I did want to throw out Kevin shovel day. I mean, kudos Winnipeg. The fact that you're sticking around, the fact that you're in the mix, the fact that you're playing good hockey, the fact that you took a chance on Gabriel Velarde and he's healthy now mm-hmm. and contributing, and you actually, the players that came here want to play in Winnipeg, and that's important with a small market like Winnipeg. You want players who want to play in that city. So yeah. I, I did want to shout them out real quick. I'm sure we'll talk about it um, when we do a deep dive uh, on the Central Division in the future, but... Um, man, I've taken up so much of your time. You've been awesome. This is one of those podcasts um, I want to go back and listen to because it's really funny because the tab on my phone is about eight tabs open right now because I had so much to talk to you about yeah. and yeah. stuff, and it was great to highlight you know, last night's game but bring in subjects from last night's game. So a couple of cool podcasts yeah. up. Uh, so, Sean, you're a beast, and we need to support Sean this season. Don't know if you saw the uh, – tweet yesterday but it was going around that one of our spits and suds listeners that uh direct messaged me and said hey um i'm a little nervous uh can you help me out with hockey i can't ask my friends and i said sure so we've been going back and forth and everything well yesterday at barnes and nobles he found a sean shapiro book and that is wonderful it, news yes and he picked it up <laughs> And then someone else responded and said, I have that book, but it's signed by Sean. And it was really cool. It started this little Twitter thread about Sean Shapiro's book. So the latest one's called We Win Here. And it's the story of the Texas Stars and how a lot of the players made it up to Dallas. Some amazing stories and really talks about the Texas Stars franchise. So there's still time to uh, pick it up. How can you also support Sean? Shap Shots. You can support him through there at Sean Shapiro, EP Ringside, and his new article coming out, if it probably has dropped already, in D Magazine. So what you want to do, I said this about Robert last night, just keep clicking. That's <laughs> Just sit there for five minutes and just yeah. click, 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 click to get those hits up because I, will, I, I really want to stand on the podium just for a second and say, D Magazine, you're awesome. While others are cutting back on hockey coverage, we're looking at Sean Shapiro, David Castillo, Robert Tiffin writing uh, articles in D Magazine about the Dallas Stars. So, round of applause, massive stick tap to uh, D Magazine for that. You're a beast, my friend, and I will talk to you soon. Uh, man, I appreciate that. Thank you so much. And uh, everyone, thank you for listening. And uh, kudos to Gavin, too, for keeping this thing running and the lights on and everything. So, yeah, I'm tired. I got to be honest. <laughs> But we have some really cool one-timers coming up. We're going to talk to the equipment manager, the Allen Americans, and people are like, what the heck? Equipment managers have the best stories in sports, folks. So we're going to do that. Uh, You heard the Cross Hannah's story, getting a lot of great feedback about Frank Provenzano, who joined us, about Mike Madano, about the Sean Avery incident in the past, about um, picking uh, Jack Campbell, Uh, so, you know, just all kinds of stories and stuff. So we'll keep doing that as well. So we appreciate you guys and we'll have more in spits and suds to come. That's going to do it for today. Hope you enjoyed the episode, everyone.